Welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. We help you stay happy, healthy and whole so your small business can thrive and stay vital in this ever-changing world with holistic coaches and small business owners, Jill and Dan. Hello and welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. I'm Jill and I'm here with my podcasting partner, Daniel. Hello, Jill and hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. And today we are talking about... Uh, something I get asked all the time, and I'm sure you do as well, Dan, how to flatten your abs forever. Can it be done? Yes, it can be done, but most people go about it the wrong way, don't they? Yeah. So it's not gonna... a quick fix or a magic pill, but we're going to give you some of the things. And you might be surprised at some of the things that we're going to tell you today. Yeah, there's no quick fix. The, there are some things which can improve the conditioning and the look of your abs quite significantly in a short period of time but mm-hmm. but it is like more of a complex subject than i think people realize so the, there's like structure there's there's diet there's digestion um there's exercises so we're, we're going to go through the full lot and people might need all of these they might need just one or two of these but uh yeah it's i think the fitness industry in particular has made it seem easier than it actually is to flatten your abs so we're going to dispel yeah. some of the myths and indeed and it's not all about nutrition and exercise so there's lots of things going on this is my notes that i made originally a couple of years ago so it must be like four or five years ago since i did the course it was one of our prerequisites wasn't it for one of the tech courses and i'm using look here it is i'm sean danish this is the dvd for flatten your abs forever by paul check secrets of abdominal training when i watch this I mean, Paul Check's got hair, hasn't he? So this was, <laughs> this was, he recorded this a while ago. We're talking like late 90s, I would say. So, I mean, I think of the late 90s like 10 years ago, but it's not, it's like 20 odd years ago now, isn't it? So it's called the Flatten Your Abs Forever, The Secrets of Abdominal Training. So I think like he was talking, some of the stuff that we're going to go through, let's just bear in mind that he was talking about this 20, 30 years ago. And this just shows you how forward thinking he is. Um, so I've written down my points. I think there's 10 that we've got to go through. I know you've got a couple as well, quite a few. So we'll just, shall we just make a start? Yep. Now, I remember at the beginning, this isn't just my notes that I read through. And he said, this is not based on hard science, but has worked clinically. Now, what I think is that science is now caught up with him because I think it is in hard science, some of this stuff. And um, we'll talk about that in a bit. And also what he says is one size does not fit all. So you've got to treat it, um, work what's, work with what's best for you as everything. What's the best exercise you'll do that, in, that there is, is the one you'll do. And if it was as simple as exercise, we'd all have flat abs. Well, met some of us. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest one the fitness industry has has kind of made people believe, isn't it? That if it's it's just about exercise, yeah. Which I kind of understand why they would say that because people who make fitness equipment and sell gym memberships, if they can convince people that they have the magic pill, it's it's going to make money for them, isn't it? So yeah, I can see where that comes from. Um, exercise is a part of it, but it's it's a lot smaller than we've been led to believe. There's, there's yeah. other major factors to, um, to to flattening your abs. Absolutely. One of my dirty secrets, (laughs) 
<laughs> is that I love QVC. I love watching QVC. I love watching people sell stuff. I love that whole process of selling something. It's uh, it's just I love watching. I love people trying to sell stuff to me. And um, I love it when the fitness gear comes on, you know, and it's all like really fit models <laughs> who've like obviously spent hours in the gym before and then they like got like a resistance band or some fancy machine going this is how I flatten my abs and this is how I got these biceps and you're thinking really it's not you've only gone on that machine for about five minutes you've spent 50 hours in the gym beforehand for the last week so um yeah so i love a bit of qvc so when that stuff comes on there's always like an ab trainer isn't there <laughs> you remember the ab trainers those like things crunch machines oh my god what a disservice they did to the nation didn't they just creating all that flex spines yeah every gym in the late 90s and kind of even up until about 2010 i would say they all <laughs> had mu- multiple people I remember my parents had one at home, which never got used. <laughs> and then I think the thing that took over from them was the the vibrating abdominal belts. They, they oh, kind yes. of they, they just took over from the from the ab crunch machines. Probably oh the same. God. Probably the same company. I always remember some guy at work. Jamie was called. He got one of them. <laughs> And he's like, I'm going to sit at home now with my belt on to get my abs flattened while I have three cans of lard. <laughs> They're still around those machines. They're like, I'm sure Cristiano Ronaldo is one of the brand ambassadors for one of the companies. So, oh, yeah, and it's I bet still that's how on. he got his abs flattened, right? Not, nothing to do with his like <laughs> yeah. 25 years of training nonstop and diet. So, anyway, yes, we're digressing. So, um, what Paul Jack also says was if you're never going to look good on the outside unless you are clean on the inside, which I quite like. Now, that's pretty cool. And he said, like, what happens if, the like, say, um, Eskimos who have, are we allowed to say Eskimos now? I don't know if it's like Indigenous North Americans from Alaska. No, Eskimos still exist. You're allowed to call them that. <laughs> yeah. Inuits, that's the word. <laughs> so he says that they have a 90% fat, oil and protein diet, which doctors would say that that was a recipe for heart disease. Whereas the quench, quench call Indians have a vegetable diet. He said, what happens if those two people meet and then they have a baby? What does the baby eat? protein or vegetables so that's kind of what's happened in the modern world isn't it because we've like opened up globalization if you were traditionally if you were born in a certain area you would eat the foods of that area that's all whereas nowadays we've all kind of intermingled and you know we, we're all mixing and everything like diets have changed dramatically so we can't always go on the the traditional diet we don't eat that way do we anymore now no it's called um, biochemical individuality to give it a long name oh that's um, a good word so is it bill walcott who who was at the metabolic type and diet that, i've got that book up here yeah yeah and okay. it's just exactly what you said um traditionally people just lived in tribes and they never strayed from that part of the world yeah so the so the heritage in the dna was built for whatever food was available in that region but now we can hop on a plane and we can go and um, meet someone on the other side of the world and like you say people's dna is so mingled now that it makes it harder to know exactly what foods to eat whereas before it was relatively easy and mm-hmm. um, so 
there has to be a lot more play now as well. We have to kind of do rotation diets and elimination diets and see what we're intolerant to. It's a lot more complex. With other things being um, like food quality is a lot lower and we get marketed to and told to eat the wrong foods. So it is very complex and it's food is probably the biggest issue which people struggle with with regards mm-hmm. to the health. Um, and like you said, the food that you eat is going to create an unhealthy environment inside your body, which then um, shows itself as an unhealthy person on the outside of your body, like a bloated abdomen, like acne, like bad breath and bad skin. So yeah, it's it, it can be complex, but hopefully we'll give you a few tips which can which will help you. Yeah. So that was the first one kind of is to eat to your metabolic type. As you all know, if you listen to this podcast, I am a protein girl. I love, if I eat carbs, I just bloat. So it's knowing what foods you're intolerant to that create that bloat. And for me, it's like starch, starchy carbs, like pasta, rice. I can eat a little bit, but not all the time. Yeah, I think for most people listening to this, if you're kind of like white Northern Europeans, and and that's what you're your um, parents and your grandparents and your kind of family history is, then you're probably going to be better on a higher protein, higher fat diet and lower carbohydrates. So that's things like meat, like animal products, which in today's environment are getting kind of, we're getting pushed away from, but that's, again, that's our DNA in winter. We couldn't eat vegetables because they, they didn't grow. There was no supermarkets. We had to eat animals and our DNA is still exactly the same. Mm. So if we're getting taught to eat all these vegetables and rice and pasta because they're in a, a supermarket it's going to create bloating and inflammation because our dna literally is not used to that but if you grow up if you grew up near the equator where vegetables and carbohydrates grow all year round even in the winter your dna dictates that you can eat that all year round and you're not going to be bloated so it literally is in our dna and there's no denying it and you can there's people who go vegan, vegetarian, eat pure vegetables, and they do it for ethical reasons, but they feel terrible. They're bloated, they have no energy, they're pale, because their DNA dictates that they should be eating protein and fat, but for ethical reasons, they don't. So yeah, it's a difficult one, because we don't kill our own animals and meat and things now, do we? So it's it's kind of find the balance between what our DNA knows we should be doing, but then getting back to actually doing it. We have mm. to find a halfway point, don't we? Yeah. Absolutely. So I would say eat as close to your primal pattern as you can and how to find out your primal pattern. Um, isn't there a survey in how to eat, move and be healthy, I think, to see what, but you can kind of, if you survive on carbs and you're fine, then that's probably your more of a carbohydrate type. If you prefer protein, you kind of know it intuitively, I think. Yeah. I always think just imagine if someone said, oh, you can, for the next week, you can either eat just a bowl of pasta every day with no meat and no fat, or you can have like a ribeye steak for every meal. Like which one would you probably go for? Mm. I'd be craving the ribeye more than the I'd pasta be or the, the, or the rice. Yeah. 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 I could eat, like I could eat meat with every meal. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know me, I considered going carnivore for a while. I know. So, I know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely like you. I'm definitely a, like a protein, um, like or a polar type as Paul Chet would call it polar type definitely I like fish like anything I think I'm like a Viking yeah well, again, I imagine that I'd be we're a northern, Viking yeah we're northern Europeans so anything pickled I love a pickled thing <laughs> doesn't matter what it is doesn't matter what it is pickled eggs have you ever had a pickled egg 
No, the, even just the word pickle doesn't appeal to me. Oh, you never had a pickled egg. Oh, my no. God, Dan. I'm going to have to educate you in eggs. Oh, or a scotch egg. I've not a scotch egg. <laughs> have you never had a scotch egg? Oh, my <laughs> no. God. Dan, call yourself Northeastern. Right. <laughs> okay. So n- number one was eat to your primal pattern and work out what your primal pattern is in the first place because it's you'll, you'll know it intuitively, I think. Um, number two is think before you drink. What are you drinking? Um, what um, Paul was saying in his thing was sports drinks, high in sugar and caffeine, um, and that elevates your blood sugar and your stress levels as well because cortisol will shoot into your system because it's stressful. Drink enough water. We all, He says, what's the formula again, Dan? I'm gonna, I've got it written down somewhere. Can you remember it? It was ounces it's uh, 0.033 kilograms yeah liters per kilogram kilogram. we've done it we've said it before on our um hydration podcast um he says don't drink ice cold drinks because that can send the sphincter in the small intestine into a spasm and so that can create a bloat as well switch off some muscle function um yeah so We've got to make sure that we're drinking the right kind of stuff and don't drink caffeine after three o'clock. I would say probably 12 o'clock if you're a woman because caffeine has a half-life of about 24 hours in your system. So if you're drinking at 12, it's still uh, fully in your system at 12 o'clock at night. So make sure that you are not drinking caffeine after 12 o'clock in the afternoon if you want to get to sleep on a night. Yeah, and I think when it comes to like liquid or drinks in general in your abdominals you know trying to flatten your stomach for men especially the beer belly is mm. just that inflammation if you're just drinking beer and you're probably going to be have, going to have some sort of intolerance to gluten or wheat which beer is just absolutely full of and then obviously the alcohol is pretty much a poison and that's going to inflame your organs people come off alcohol and beer in particular and the beer belly just shrinks all of a sudden so only people have this distended, swollen beer belly. They look pregnant that's, sometimes. That's, that's don't really, they? really unhealthy. Like for your body to get like that, you, you're <clears> swelling up from the inside. So, like, yeah, you can cut out caffeine and make sure you drink water. But just cutting out beer can just, like, like we said at the start, a lot of these things are long term. But this is probably mm-hmm. a short term solution to get a big result really quick. If you mm-hmm. want to cut out the beer, because. It's, it's not a cool look. <laughs> Massive it's not a good look, is it? Like the dart yeah. player, the old-fashioned dart player. I don't know if dart player's still like that now. Like that was the traditional look of a dart player, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's getting a little bit better now because they're not allowed to actually drink while you play a dart, are they? Because obviously oh, not? it promotes like an unhealthy image. So yeah, at least it's getting better. Oh, that's good. Okay. So um, you are when you eat. Well, this is one of the things that... Um, I always think possibly more important than what you're eating is when you're eating. Um, If you're having a massive, like, starchy, carby meal, like, before bed, then that's going to keep your digest. You're not going to burn that off, are you, the whole thing? So, um, Paul, Paul, you know, like, Paul. We're on first name terms now, aren't we? With with PC. PC. The big PC says um, breakfast should be the biggest meal of the day. But then I don't like breakfast too much. So I think I would do lunch. I could probably eat one big meal a day, actually, and be well, happy. 
Yeah, sometimes you come look to, at the word breakfast itself, just break fast. It's just mm-hmm. breakfast is just your first meal of the day. But in mm-hmm. general as well, in the morning when the sun's coming up, your cortisol levels are high and your metabolism's at its highest. So you mm-hmm. can't eat a lot and then you'll kind of burn it off. Burn it off, give you yeah. sustainable energy throughout the day. So it's more like don't do the opposite. Like you said, breakfast should be the biggest meal of the day. But it's also by saying that, it's saying, don't make your evening meal the biggest meal of the day in, in mm-hmm. general. You know what I mean? So a lot of these things, I would say, like, you would think of them like old, old wives' tales. Like, say, breakfast yeah. is the biggest meal of the day. Don't have a big meal before bed. But there is some truth in them as well. What is it? Like, breakfast like a king, lunch like a queen, and supper yeah, like, like a pauper. Dinner like a pauper or something, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And also, I remember when I studied with Dr. Stacey Sims, she said, if you are going to eat carbs, eat them in the morning. So that, um, like you said, burning them off during the day. So Yeah, and try and time them around exercise as well. If you're going to be doing a particularly intense form of exercise, carbohydrates probably going to come in handier then as well. So you're not just, like you say, if you're going to eat them before bed and they're just going to, you're just going to store them because you're not using up any energy. So be a bit more tactful around that, I would say. Yeah, cool. So the next one is organic foods. I mean, oh my God, like he's just so ahead of his time. He's saying the soil is alive and it totally is. And, you know, we need to look after it. We've already done pay the farmer or pay the doctor. Is that what it was called? Pay the yeah. farmer or pay yeah. the doctor? Yeah. Um, we've already talked about that. But, yeah, as organic as possible um, because organic food is 40 times more nutrient dense than non-organic food. So if you want to get the nutrients in, which we all do, then organic food it is. And of course, then that's the chemical load as well on your system. If you're eating really cheap, unorganic food, it's you're putting all those kind of inflammatory agents in your body, like the pesticides and the herbicides and all the chemicals. Like you said, that's just poison to your body. And it's going to, your body's first reaction is just to inf, it's inflammation. So again, mm-hmm. when you're talking about the abdominal region, you could just be inflamed because you just got all this yeah. toxic overload in your body. So if you go organic, like you said, for one, it's more nutritious. People think it's more expensive, which it is, but it actually, it, it makes you feel fuller quicker because your body's actually getting the nutrients. You don't need as much. So you don't need as much. Um, it often tastes better. Um, it's better for the environment. There's just so many pluses. But again, we've, we've been told that's by fake science that it's not, it's not as good as what we'd be led to believe. But you can just do a taste test yourself, like an organic you know, a chicken thigh or something compared to a non-organic one. It's, it's almost no comparison. And eggs Probably are a chickens. massive one. You see the yolk on a on an egg compared to a non-organic one. Totally different colour. Happy chickens. I know we had this a couple of weeks ago because I was buy, I was buying my chicken from the butcher, and but I hadn't bought enough, so I just ran around the co-op and got some others. And oh my god, you could tell the difference between the co-op chicken. And co-op's probably quite good chicken as well, but compared to the butcher's chicken that comes from the farm, that like just up the road, there was no honestly, the difference was even the kids could tell the difference. Yeah. We were like, that's a happy chicken. That's a not happy chicken. (laughs) Yeah. I think Paul Paul mentions as well that if you get a a chicken leg, obviously you get the like the thigh and the drumstick. And if you get a non-organic one after you've cooked it you can just kind of break that in half really easy it almost falls apart when you're cooking it but if you get an organic one all the tendons and ligaments and cartilage in that joint they stay tough and robust like they should be because mm-hmm. that animal's lived a healthy life where it's strengthened all mm-hmm. those systems so after you've cooked an organic one 
it is really still tough to tear the thigh from the drumstick because that's how it's supposed to be. The ligaments are meant to hold those two things together. But a non-organic one, it literally just falls apart because that poor chicken's just lived in a factory farm and it's probably barely even walked its whole life. So, oh, poor chicken. Always eat happy chickens, I believe. Okay, next one. Is your digestive system healthy? I think this is where Paul really kind of, I remember talking to Michael King. <laughs> he was saying that back in the day because Michael King used to run the Pilates Institute and Paul used to run the Czech Institute. So whenever they were at conferences, they always got sat together. And he says, this was like 30 odd years ago. And he says, I don't think the world was quite ready for Paul to go and sit on the toilet with his microphone. <laughs> Take his microphone into the toilet and do his speech while he was having a poo. Uh, <laughs> but that he's obsessed with poo. Um, so is your digestive system healthy? Um, according to him, we should be passing 12 inches of fecal matter per day. And that can be in either one 12 inch drop or two times six inches. I mean, how do you measure it? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? You don't get out of the toilet and get your ruler out? <laughs> no. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> he says that 90% of all disease starts in the colon. And that the small intestine, oh, hang on, I've got a good stat for you. Now, bear in mind, this was like 20 odd years ago. $3 million a day in the US is spent on laxatives. Yeah, that would have gone up by now as well, surely. Probably like massive now. Yeah. Um, so small intestines communicate with all abdominal wall muscles. If intestinal tract not working correctly, it will inhibit the muscles of the abdominal wall. I mean, how blowing far ahead of time was this? Abs are the key stabilizers of the spine. Musculoskeletal disorders have to be treated from the gut as well as an exercise program. I mean, all hail. All hail, Paul. That is like... Yeah, it's hail. it's it's just... It's having that kind of um, reverse engineering mindset of going, just find the real root cause like, yeah, me, yeah, your back's hurting, right? Okay, what's the components of the back? What ligaments are attached to it? Oh, there's there's nerves going to the digestive system. Oh, what makes the digestive system um, yeah. bad? Inflame. <laughs> Inflamed. Oh, so what foods are you eating? Oh, yeah, what's how's your digestion? Oh, the abdominal muscles, they're stabilized. I wonder what's turned them off. And it's just finding that root cause. And then it literally comes down to what are you eating? What is it? How it's, healthy it's, as your gut, yeah. Yeah, it's not just what you eat. It's what you digest as well. So you could mm -hmm. eat stuff, but you could you might not be digesting it. It might just be going straight through you if you're allergic to it, or it's inflaming your body. So yeah, it's like you said, it was it was probably ahead of his time massively, and because of that though, people often get ignored because they're not current, if you know what I mean. But I like to to think it's catching up at least a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm doing a course at the minute with a, a women's health physio, um, all about women's back pain, and she's saying like like science now she's got all the like scientific evidence and she says one of the main drivers in women's back pain is constipation or bladder problems so you know it's just all feeding back to what paul said 30 years ago so yeah and if you've got kind of days or weeks of um fecal matter built up like constipation how is your body not going to be inflamed and how is that not going to put you in pain there's mm -hmm. a i've mentioned this a few times before but there's a condition called Viscerosomatic inhibition, and that's just a yeah. fancy way of saying that. The common example is when you have a heart attack, you feel a pain in your left arm. It's because organs don't feel pain; they just share the same nerve innervation as the muscles. So you have a bad back. 
or your your lower abs your lower abdominal muscles feel like they're they're in pain. It's not. It's just they share the same nerve innervation as the organ which is inflamed. So if your small intestine or your colon or whatever is inflamed, you're going to feel it in your back or your abs. Mm-hmm. And then you, what, you, what you do, you take painkillers to get rid of that pain. And you, you go and see the physio 10 times to get rid of your bad back. And you keep eating gluten that you're allergic to and drinking wine, which is poisoning you. It's, you, it's missing out the root cause, but we haven't been taught to think like that. So yeah. you kind of forgive people to some degree. When I first heard this, I thought it just blew my mind. I was like, that makes total sense. Why don't we get taught this? Yeah, but that's a that's a deeper question, isn't it? I remember listening to a really famous physio on a podcast, and he was saying I was noticing that people were coming in with back pain, but were carrying bottles of coke into the into the surgery, and I was couldn't find anything like structurally wrong. And then like try like massaging, doing body work and stuff, trying to make them feel a bit better. And then they'd pick up their bottle of coke on the way out and just fill their gut full of inflammatory things that was just sending all the inflammation back into the system. So. It, you are literally what you eat. And if you eat a load of sugar, you're going to be inflamed. Yeah, it's just like putting the wrong sort of fuel in your car. That's that's the easiest yeah, analogy. Yeah, it is. Your car is not just going to run poorly. It's going to affect all systems. It's literally going to break other components of the car. If you went to put vegetable oil in the hydraulic fluid, <laughs> it's not going to work yeah, very well, is it? Yeah, it's not going to work, is it? Yeah. It's going to mess up your engine. So um, how do you keep the digestive system healthy? It's... Um, the correct amount of water per day, eating to your metabolic type. Um, keep the autonomic nervous system happy so that's not stressing it, like caffeine, nicotine, alcohol are all disruptors of the autonomic nervous system. High-quality yogurts repopulate the gut. Take probiotics on an empty stomach with water, and about 10% of it will get through before bedtime and first thing on a morning. And never suppress the urge to go to the toilet. It only takes seven to 21 days to retrain the body not to go to the toilet. So if you're suppressing the urge, then within seven days, you've told your body that that you're not going to the toilet when it sends the signal. So it'll stop sending the signal and then you've got a problem. Yeah, that's that's a big one. And it's it's funny to talk about for me because I've never really experienced that. But I imagine some people who, I don't know if you work or you're at the house 12 hours a day or 10 hours and the place where you work, if the toilet's not a nice place, it must be, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it can become stuff as well when your circadian rhythms are all messed yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah that's, it can be that, difficult. I imagine that's a difficult one, yeah. But yeah, try not to suppress the urge to go to the loo. Um, I've only got two more. The next one is uh, fat burning. So hormones and fat burning, It's look after your hormones to go into fat burning mode. So insulin, don't send insulin levels up too high. Um, you become insulin resistant as you get older. So that's why you build up that belly fat. So you've got to take down the sugar. It's sugar, alcohol. It's all the same. Like, what do you say, Daniel? I love that we're really complicated systems, but we're not complex solutions. The solutions aren't. All the solutions to these things and stuff that we're saying, alcohol, reduce, sugar, reduce, drink plenty of water, eat plenty of fiber, probiotics, look after your gut. Um, So that's the hormonal side of stuff. And then stress, stress levels is cortisol, shooting cortisol up, rubs, pregnant alone, and all the healing hormones. So you can't get the inflammation down because you're constantly in a stressed out state and your body prioritizes stress over anything. And stress can come in all different forms, like um, psychic EMF stress as well. We think of stress as like 
you know, someone at work's really stressing you out or you've got deadlines, chemical stress, like put too many toxins onto your body, nutritional stress, not eating the right foods, all of that kind of stuff. It affects everything. Hot cortisol is the only hormone that doesn't need a key to get into any of the cells. Mm, that's interesting, isn't it? Mm, so there you go. That, that's me done, I think. All right, cool. So the I've just got a few things, um, like structural things and exercise-wise, which yeah. when it when it comes to abdominals, if you want them to be visible or you just want to flatten your belly, mm-hmm. um, there's, a, there's a few tricks. So the first one I would say would be posture. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're a bit of an expert in this. Um, it's people just do the, well, obviously they sit in, they sit a lot these days. So that posture wise, it can create like a, a lordosis and make your lower back kind of almost push forward yeah. and push your abdomen out. So the most common things to stretch, get your hip flexors stretched out because people sit all day. Mm-hmm. Um, that will relieve a bit of the load on your, your abdominals. People do abdominal exercises, but they just do crunches. So they only work on the upper abdominals. So the, so the lower abdominals aren't getting any conditioning at all. So like mm-hmm. kind of from the belly button downwards. downwards so yeah. so do lower abdominal exercises. And yeah, just try and reverse that pelvic tilt. So it's so, so common. That pelvic tilt, it creates that lordosis and, and kind of pushes the abdomen forward. And then if you're eating inflammatory foods as well, you just get this little kind of pooch belly, like below your belly button. And you might be in really good shape and low body fat, but it's just that certain area, but it's... It's a mix of inflammatory foods normally and just bad posture. So mm-hmm. these can be hard things to correct. I mean, to correct your posture does take time. And to reduce inflammatory foods or to, to figure out what's inflaming um, your digestive system can take a lot of work, but it's not impossible to achieve. It might just click. You might think you've just been doing it the wrong way. You might think you've been eating healthy and you might think you've been training your abs, but you've been doing them slightly wrong. So TVA activation. So obviously very common in Pilates, that deep abdominal wall muscle. Mm-hmm. It's just training your body to, to activate the right muscles at the right time. And then through all that, if you want to kind of achieve visible abdominal muscles, which for some people can be very hard because the, the body type in the DNA dictates that they hold kind of more body fat, but just don't fall into the trap of just doing, like you said, buying one of those things of QVC where you just do the upper abdominal crunches on that frame. All that's going to do is just build the very top of your your abdominal muscles, like right near your ribs. But if your body fat's not low enough, you're never going to see that anywhere. Yeah. So people have been just taught to eat pasta because it gives you energy and just do a thousand crunches a day. Mm. And then they wonder why they don't have abdominals and they just get stressed about it. It's because it's totally wrong. You need to work your full body, work all your muscles, and then eat a healthy diet and reduce body fat. And then... If your body fat comes down and you've built good abdominal muscle and muscle in general, then you're going to be able to see your abdominal muscles. It's kind of like the whole thing, which is so annoying, but still happens. People say, oh, I'm going to turn this fat into muscle. It's just, it's just so wrong. Okay. Turning need, apples into eggs. Yeah. You just need to reduce <laughs> body fat in general. And if you've done some good condition on your abdominals, then you're, we'll going to be able to see, you're going to be able to see the muscles underneath. And yeah, but it's, um, it's hard for people to get their head around, but that's, that's how it actually works. Yeah, it's quite. It's a little bit easier for men to see their abdominal muscles, but but for because men can drop quite low body fat, but for a woman to drop low body fat enough to see abdominals is pretty hardcore. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, because women hold higher body fat. So yeah, like like I said, that's that's like obviously nuanced because obviously even for some men, they just uh, 
is it ectomorph or mesomorph? I always get mixed up, but they just hold higher body fat in these stronger and kind of thicker. So, um, so yeah, that comes with a kind of a caveat, but if you are fortunate enough and you think you want to train to get to see visible abs, that can, that's the correct way to do it. Absolutely. So the solutions are simple, but it's not that easy. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just, we've just been conditioned to do everything the wrong way. <laughs> really, yeah, no, yeah. And modern life, like I always say, we are creatures of captivity. Yeah. We don't, what we don't run and throw arrows and stuff, which is a great core workout. Yeah. We've, we have to, even the idea of a gym strange you have to to create this place where you go and work your body like surely life should just work your body anyway but i don't like a roman gymnasium it was just like a sauna and a steam room and a pool yeah but their but their everyday life they had to go and collect food and they had to you know they have to fight with swords (laughs) so that's a pretty good workout gladius is not what they're called roman swords gladius is i didn't know Yes, named after the gladioli flower because that's what they look like. Ah, is that where gladiators come from as well? Obviously. Yeah. There we go. They had the certain th- oh well, God, we just deviated there into a little. Where did that come from? <laughs> little fruit of uh, <laughs> joy. So yeah, there you go. So yeah, gym is a completely bizarre thing. I mean, they were only around since about the nineteen seventies, eighties, haven't they? Really, because people were physical, especially up here where we live. Everyone was a minor; they didn't need to go to the gym. They were strong as anything. Yeah, imagine the men leaving the leaving a coal pit <laughs> after a twelve-hour shift, and then going the to do a heavy set of deadlifts and squats. They would think you're absolutely <laughs> mad. They used to fall into bed every night because they were that tired. Yeah, and they wouldn't need to. I remember some of the coal men from round here, the miners. I mean, they were like strong as oxes. Gosh, I remember one of them taking his top off. His back was like. Uh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger level of <laughs> like shovel and coal all day, yeah. It's yeah, like it's, that's hard graft, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they used to have a thing, didn't they, where they thought it was unlucky to wash their backs because it would uh, keep their backs free. Of, like I learned that in one of, in a mining museum. Yeah, we must admit there's a, there's a few things they did wrong as well, though. Like was it smoking cigarettes and uh, <laughs> yes. what was that snuff that they used to think got the coal uh. out of the lungs or something? But yeah. And then she used to drink pretty heavily as well. So yeah, that was no, not good. <laughs> apart from fitness levels, they were <laughs> pretty healthy, everything else. Anyway, as we digress, it's our mining heritage coming out <laughs> from the Northeast. But um, yeah, so I hope that's helped you guys. Uh, flattening your abs forever is doable, but it is um, it requires, of course, willpower and knowing what you're doing as well and some training. Yeah, d- definitely willpower and just uh, like use the tips that we've said, but break free from the kind of traditional way of how you think you would you would flatten your abdominals because that doesn't mm. actually work, does it? It's not all about exercise. However, my posture project, people, we're now coming to week six. It's the last one next week. I can't believe how fast it's gone. I am seeing some significant changes in them. I'm seeing necks, necklines that I didn't see before because they were all hunched over and Lordosis is being reduced, which we're talking about the pooch belly. I am a classic lordotic person, and I just have to really work on getting into neutral. But it, you're absolutely right. Lordosis does make you look like you've got a belly. So yeah, correcting your posture can be a big factor. Yeah, like you said, some of these could just be. You might think, um, you might think you have high belly fat, but you're not. You might just be 
um, creating the image of higher belly fat just yeah. by like sticking your abdomen forward. So it could be as simple as that. Exactly. Okay. Anything further? No, that's me done. You're on it. Excellent. Me too. Um, I've got to tell you today though, Dan, I am today the proud owner of a trademark. A trademark? Mm, yes. Come on then. Elaborate. But Menor Power is now oh, yeah, you said you were going to do intellectually that. property of me. How exciting is that? I feel like Deborah Maiden. <laughs> sound like you've made it. <laughs> I sound like it's like I feel like a proper businesswoman owning a trademark. <laughs> yeah. Dragon's Den-esque. It's quite cool, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So there you go. That's my news of this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna make one now. Just uh Are you gonna get a trademark yourself? I'm gonna, yeah, Mano Power. Mano Power. <laughs> <laughs> You could do menor. I'll do menor power. You can do manor power, and then that's. <laughs> oh, but we should say as well. Dan and I are getting together again to do another kettlebell workshop at my studio in Langley Park, which will also be available online. So, any of you who are listening to this, what was the date of it again, Dan? <laughs> November the eleventh, nineteenth. No, eleventh. Just, just keep saying dates, and I'll just, I'll edit that out. Twelve. <laughs> But let me just check my phone. I've got it on my phone. Two yeah. seconds, gang. I should have checked this beforehand. Obviously, our podcast is highly uh, planned in beforehand. The 13th of November. Saturday, the 13th of November at 11 o'clock. Dan and I, Dan is going to be appearing at my studio and we're going to teach another beginner's uh, kettlebell workshop, which is where it all began. Yes, it's long overdue, isn't it? I mean, it was kind of taken out of our control. I know. But yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, we've had quite a few people wanting to to do it again. I get a lot of people wanting to come to Bar and Bells, but I feel like we've moved on so much now that if you're a beginner, it would be like quite a, you know, thrown in at the deep end. So this is a good way to like gradually put your feet in the water, in the kettlebell water and see how it goes. Yeah. And even if you've been using kettlebells for a bit of a while, it could be a good refresher. Yeah. Because there's, it's so versatile and it's so good that you could, like you say, you could use a kettlebell for the rest of your life, really, and never do the same workout twice because there's so many ways you can use it. So it could be yeah. a good refresher. And often people, you get this in a gym and obviously exercise classes, people think they're working hard until like a coach actually puts them through a routine. Then you think, oh, I'd need to step it up a little bit, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, honestly, I feel bad now when people say, can I come to kettlebell uh, to bar and bells? I'm like... Oh, it's gone really, <laughs> it's gone really hardcore now. But... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Do you all like put chalk on your hands and stuff like that when you go in? Yeah, they were all saying the other day, actually, Dan, that like, you should come back and teach them now just so you can see how uh, we see think progress. that we think that the um, poacher has become the hunted, what's the word? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's I don't know. I don't know the poacher has turned the game, turned to gamekeeper. <laughs> right. We think we've surpassed you now. Yeah, okay. We'll have a, so we'll you're going have a contest. To have to, you're going to have to up your up your game to come and teach my <laughs> yeah. girls now. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening, everyone. So the kettlebell workshop is on my website to book. If you'd like to join us, um, just go into book a class. And if you, there's a little search bar there, if you just type in kettlebell you'll, or workshop, you'll see it pop up. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you can join us in person, which would be quite exciting. And um, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Alexa, Audible, my website, everywhere, everywhere that you'd want to find us. 
Yeah, and keep your ears pinned back for a special kettlebell podcast coming soon, okay? And we're going to tell you the soon, benefits. Yeah. yeah, about using a kettlebell. So, yeah, yeah, that'll be coming out next week. Cool. All right, and thanks, everyone, for listening, and goodbye.